guys, it is like a heat wave at DTI. Is everybody all right? No one's fainted or anything? Okay, we're going to get the doors open for the talk, so let's all settle down. You know, I'm not a scientist, but heat rises, doesn't it? So, you know, if you get nice and low, but not lying down because it's going to be a bit awkward if you fall asleep, so don't do that. But anyway, guys, it's great to see you again this morning. If you weren't here last night or you've forgotten, my name is Suze, and uh, I head up DTI with a team of amazing people. And we're talking this weekend all about what it looks like to be known, aren't we? And uh, I told you a bit about me last night, but I think it's time for us to go a little bit deeper. Is that okay? And um, I want to start off by sharing something a little bit vulnerable with you. Okay? And so I'd really rather it stays in this room. Is that okay? Can I trust you? Yeah, I can trust you. Okay. This is it. I'm going to go for it. Guys, this is the thing you need to know about me. Is that I'm actually a bit of a loser. Okay? Whoa, 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 whoa. Steady. Not in life, but when it comes to stuff. I lose things all the time. Does anybody else ever lose anything? You're a loser. Yes, I'm not alone. Okay, who lost their torch last night? Yeah, it's annoying, right? Who's ever lost their phone? Yeah, that's like the most annoying one. But it's so annoying when you lose something that you actually really, really like. And for me, one of the things I really, really like doing, I said last night, is I love going on holiday. So me and my passport, we're kind of like best mates, you know? And so you would think that I would keep my passport somewhere locked up. But I don't, and I lose it. And I've lost it a couple of times. The first time I lost it, I nearly missed going on a family holiday. And the second time... I was actually in India, and it was a quite slightly stressful situation. Has anybody ever been to India? Some of you. Okay, India, if you haven't been there, is one of the most amazing places I've ever been. The people are amazing, but the roads, they are crazy, right? There are cows everywhere. I'm talking, you know, like on the motorway, there's cows just, just a random cow in the middle of the motorway. There's maybe three cows just up the road. There's cows everywhere, and people just, they drive where they want. And they're like, eh, 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 with their horns. So anyway, I was already thinking that I'm going to die on this four-hour journey. Two hours into it, I realize I've lost my bag. And in my bag is all sorts of things. We've got the pom bears are in there. Obviously, I can kind of do without those. But my wallet's in there. My money's in there. My iPad is in there. And worst of all, my passport is in there. And if I do not find this passport, I am going to get stuck in India on my own with the cows. Okay? So it was stressful. A very stressful situation. So, so what happened is this Indian-style search party began. All these people were like, blah, blah. They were like calling each other, trying to find my passport. And it was two hours away where I'd left it. And so what happened was... Um, after all these phone calls, we, we did a UE, we dodged death a few times, and um, literally we did. And um, we get to the point where this guy called Raj, okay, he's got my passport in the bag. He's coming along on the motorway in India, interesting experience. He's coming along like this, on this little scooter thing, coming along. I'm there. I'm like, whoa, stop, 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 stop. We stop him, he pulls over on the sides, he gets off his moped. I throw my arms around him and I tell him I love him. I was so happy to see my passport. And he says to me, now, Susie, you remember me when you're in England. So today, thank you, Raj, for finding the passport. But you know what? There's some stories in the Bible about people 
who lost things. These are stories, guys, that Jesus told, and they're in a book in the Bible called Luke. And some of you might have read these stories before, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. Anyone familiar with those? Yep. So these stories are called parables, okay? And they're stories that Jesus told lots in the Bible to help us to understand truths about him and about his kingdom. So we're in a book called Luke here in chapter 15. And what's going on is that Jesus is... Is he's getting loads and loads of attention, and crowds are gathering towards him. All sorts of people are coming towards him. He's seeing people get healed and set free. But these guys, called the Pharisees, they were like the religious authorities of the time. They just they didn't like it. You know, they were jealous of Jesus. They thought they were questioning who Jesus was hanging out with. And so Jesus, he tells these stories, and he's challenging the Pharisees. He's saying, although you're trying your best to follow God, somewhere along the way, you've lost sight of what God really cares about most. And Jesus responds by telling these three stories. And to mix it up a little bit, I've, I've hired an expert reader to come and read it. So why don't we welcome Sarah? <laughs> yes, Sarah, they love you. Great. So Sarah is a great reader and she's going to read it. Great. Okay, guys, so yeah, we're in Luke 15. And this first story is about a lost sheep. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. But then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after that lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over the one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Okay, guys, and then this second story is about a lost coin. Well, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over that one sinner who repents. And finally, guys, this last story is about a lost son. And so Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the, in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my hired servants have food to spare, and yet here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, 
Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and now he is alive. He was lost and now he is found. And so they began to celebrate. Great. So there are three stories in the Bible, three lost situations, the lost sheep, the lost son, and the lost coin. And Jesus tells those stories together, right? He tells them together on purpose because he uses them to make the same point over and over again. He's like, here's a story. If you don't get, if you don't get it with this story, bam, here's another one. And he's like, if you don't get it then, here's another one. He tells three stories together. So what's the truth that Jesus is trying to get across to us? Well, let's just have a think about it. Has anybody here ever lost anything that you actually don't really like? Has that ever happened? Like, maybe like, um, I guess like a jumper, like your grandma bought you or something, or knitted you, or your old trainers that were a little bit smelly, and you kind of think, if I lose them, perhaps your mum or your dad or somebody will buy me a new pair. Has anyone ever had that situation? Yeah. In that moment, do you get up and look for that thing? No. Okay, you're just a little bit happy, maybe, that they're lost because you don't really like them. But the thing that you've lost, that you love, that you really like, like your phone, if you lose your phone, you are searching for it, you're searching for it, you're searching for it because you really, really like your phone. And that's the truth that I reckon Jesus is trying to get across to us in these stories. That when he really, really likes something, that he will search for it until it is found. Guys, God really, really, really likes you. So much that he searches for you and he comes looking for you until he finds you. And when he finds you, he throws a party, he celebrates. He's the ultimate finder. He's, he's not a loser like me with the passport. He's a finder. The sheep, the coin, the son, they get found. And he's the ultimate finder because He loves people. God really, really loves people. He loves me. He loves every single one of you. And he doesn't only love you, but he really actually likes you. And if you're taking notes this morning, I'd love you to write this down. God likes me with a massive full stop on it. Because knowing this stuff and getting our heads around it, accepting it in our hearts, it changes everything. It's a game changer for all of us. Whatever place you are in this morning, however hot you're feeling right now, in the physical kind of sense, whether you know Jesus already, whether you don't and you've got heaps of questions, whatever you think about yourself, it's good news for you this weekend because God knows everything about you. He knows all those insecurities and hang-ups you've got. He knows the way you feel about yourself. He knows every thought, everything you've ever said or done, the stuff you're proud of, the stuff you're not. He knows it all. You're fully known, as we said last night. And God likes you. He really, really likes you. And I really believe that God is wanting you guys to hear that this morning. So for the next few moments, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into these stories. And if we're in an English lesson, which thankfully we're not because I was terrible at English, the, head, the headline of this talk would be, God likes you. And the subtitles would be, he values you, he's looking for you, and he celebrates you. So first up, God values you. 
Do you notice in those stories, it's actually all about the thing that's lost. Not so much about the thing that's found, but the thing that's lost. And it's actually pretty crazy. I've never done any actual shepherding. I know, I did say last night I like sheep, but I've never had a go at trying to be a shepherd. Has anybody else? No, who thought not? Oh, somebody has. Wow, you're a shepherd. Great. But if you were the shepherd in that story, what would you have done? Guys, let's think about it this way. If you had a maths exam and you came out of it and you got the result and the result was 99%, how would you feel? For me, I'd be like, oh my goodness, I'm like some kind of lifetime genius. I can't believe I've got 99% in my maths exam. And I wouldn't care for one second about that 1%. I just wouldn't care. If I was the shepherd in that story, I think I would have the same attitude. I probably would have thought, I'm smashing this. I'm like an elite shepherd. I'm like a genius. I'm the Premier League of shepherding. I've got 99% of my sheep here. One of them's wandered off. I'd be like, it's all right. Perhaps I'll go and have a nap or something. You know, we've got 99% of them. But the parables are almost written in the way. Of course you go after the thing that's lost. Of course you go after it. Because the sheep and the coin, they're just so valuable to the shepherd and to the lady that they have to be found. And then we move on to that story about the son. You know, what a story. It's a right scandal, that story. Some of you will know it more than others. But a father who has two sons. Lots could be said about both of those sons. We're focusing on the younger one this morning. But the younger son comes to his dad and asks for his inheritance early. Guys, that is cheeky. It's a really, really cheeky ask. It's outrageous. Over the years, I've asked my dad a few cheeky questions. Like every time it's my birthday, he says, um, what would you like? And I respond with the same thing since I was 17 every single year. I would like a yellow Mini Cooper, please, with a white roof. To which he always says, no, you can't have one. But you know, that was a cheeky question. But I would never even dream of asking my dad for an inheritance. It's like saying, Dad, I don't want to know you. I don't want to have a relationship with you. I just want your money. I just want your stuff. It was an outrageous ask of the younger son. But the father agrees. He gives him more than his fair share of inheritance. And the son, he takes the cash and he legs it. He goes on a spending spree. He spends it all and he ends up with the pigs. And then one day... One day, he hits rock bottom. Things have got so bad that the Bible says that he ends up coming to his senses. And and in verse 20 of those stories we just read, this is my favorite bit out of all those stories because it says this. So he got up, he's talking about the younger son. So he gets up and he went to his father. This is a son who's asked for his inheritance early, who's squandered it all. He's been a right crazy idiot probably shouldn't say that, crazy person, and, um, and he gets up, and he goes towards his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father sees him, and was filled with this compassion for him, and so he runs towards his son, he, he throws his arm around him, he pulls him into his face, and he kisses him, why would the father respond in that way, it's because he valued his son, It was his son, and he loved him, and he valued him with a love that was undeserving, that was relentless, that was unconditional. And uh, for me, I've seen this 
kind of love a little bit in my family. Now, my family is far from perfect. We, um, you know, like loads of your families, we, we've never been perfect. Sometimes we fall out with each other. Sometimes we say silly things to each other. But when we were teenagers, sometimes we were a little bit of a nightmare for our parents. Any of you like that? No, of course you're not. You're perfect. But um, there were times when all of us did stupid things. You know, we made silly decisions. We got into a mess. And my parents would always respond so gracefully to me. They'd always be like, oh, it's okay. Thanks for saying sorry. It's, it's okay. And I loved that response when it was me. I was like, this is amazing. Like, whatever I do, they just seem to love me. Brilliant. But when it was my siblings, when they were causing the upset, when they were causing the pain, I had a totally different attitude. I was like, Mom, Dad, why don't you teach them a lesson? I cannot believe they're behaving like this. They're outrageous. How can you call them your son and your daughter? I know, sibling rivalry. But you know, no matter how far it went wrong, no matter what happened, and at times, guys, in my family during the teenage years, it got hard. But however horrendous it was, my parents, they would never stop loving us. You know, they would say, that's our child. We love them. We will never, ever stop. A little bit like that father in the story. The father, he values the son despite what the son does. And for us, Jesus, he's using these parables to show us what God is like. God loves you and he values you no matter what. And I believe this morning that God is looking for your attention. Because there's many of you here this morning who if face to face I said to you, do you believe that you're valued? You wouldn't know how to answer that question. You simply don't believe that you're valued. Everything about your life so far has said the exact opposite. You know, maybe your experience of family says something different. Or your experience at school or your experience in friendships. And you just look at yourself and you think, could anyone value me? Could anybody really like me? You know, this morning, Jesus wants to come, with you, come and meet with you and show you his love and his value for you. Others of you, you know, you know you're valued by God on some level, but this truth needs to sink a little bit deeper. You're struggling with things like anxiety and self-harming and addiction or identity stuff or an illness or your schoolwork. And somewhere deep inside of you, if you're honest, you need to know more of the way God feels about you, that he values you. That song we just sang says this, the overwhelming, never-ending reckless love of God and it's personal it's chasing you down it fights till you're found it would leave the 99 to find you you couldn't earn it you don't deserve it but he still gives himself away so much that he gave his life for you on the cross God values you secondly God is looking for you you know sometimes when we look for something we lose it, we can't, we don't actually end up finding it. I had this, um, this bobble hat that I was kind of obsessed with, and it was like purple, and it had spots on it, but it had one pink spot on it, and for some reason, I just really, really loved it, and I lost it, and I was gutted, and I searched, and I searched, and I searched, and I couldn't find it, and even in writing this talk, it's bringing up some bad memories of wanting to find it, but I never did find it. There came a point where I had to stop looking for that hat. But that's not how it works with God. The sheep and the coin, 
they are, they are searched for, they are looked for until they're found. We, you know, we don't know whether it's days, hours, minutes, however long it was. But what we know is those guys are committed. And it's a little bit different, isn't it, in that story about the son, if you were listening carefully. Because the father isn't searching for the son in the same kind of a way. What happens is the son, he comes to his senses, and as he goes back towards the father, the father runs. But what's interesting here is that people who really know the Bible really well, Bible geeks as I would like to say, they think that the son came less to his senses, less because he was with the pigs and he'd hit rock bottom, but more because he realized, I miss my dad. I missed that relationship with my father. This longing grew in his heart. That he had all the stuff, he had all the money, but he didn't have the relationship. And so even though the son was doing his own thing, the father was drawing him, was drawing him back towards himself, looking for him, searching for him. Have you ever thought that God is looking for you, that he is searching for your attention this morning? He's searching for your attention every single day. In our church, you know, we hear stories of God searching for people all the time. I love hearing them. And a few weeks back, one of my mates called Ben, not this Ben, a different Ben, he, he went out on the streets of Nottingham. And he goes and he chats to people about Jesus. And he ended up chatting with this guy. He ends up praying with this guy. And, they ha- and he has an amazing encounter with God. And at the end of that prayer, with tears in this guy's eyes, he says to Ben, thank you that you looked out for me this morning. Thank you that you found me because before I met you, I was in such a bad place, I was about to do something really stupid. And the conversation had been amazing. And so a few weeks later, Ben calls him up. And this is what Ben says in his own words. He says, when he answered the phone, this guy was out of breath. And he said, I'm actually out running with my dog. I mean, who answers their phone when they're out running with their dog? I don't know. But he says this, the only reason I answered is because Just at the moment you called, I was thinking about the energy of Jesus and what that would feel like in my life. He then said, what makes you call at this exact moment? Are you some kind of guardian angel? So Ben says, of course not, but Jesus loves you and he is running after you. He is searching for you. He so wants to be in your life. God is searching that guy out. For some of you, the whole reason that you're here at DTI this weekend is because God is looking for you. He's searching for you. He's not a loser. He's a finder, and he's looking for you. He values you, and he's seeking you out. So that's the second thing. The third thing is that God celebrates you. Did you notice that those stories, basically, they kind of end in the same way? Whatever is lost, that thing gets found, and then a party happens, and everybody is invited to the party. The neighbors are there, the family are there, the friends are there. There's this massive party and so much rejoicing over the thing that is lost. And, uh, and we see this idea of God rejoicing over us in other places in the Bible. It should come up on the screens. There's, there's um, a verse in Zephaniah 3.17. It says this. It says, The Lord your God is with you. He will take great delight in you. He will rejoice over you with singing. And that verse is, is actually, the original was written in Hebrew. And when I was writing this talk, I, I, I learned something. And every day is a school day, so I'd love to share it with you if that's okay. The Hebrew in which that verse was written could literally be translated like this. He will jump and spin around, making loud, whooping noises. 
okay? He will jump and spin around making loud whooping noises. You know, here in the UK, we can be a little bit reserved in the way we celebrate. Let's do an average celebrate. Let's do that together. Yeah. Yeah. And if someone's really, really good, don't do this because we'll all get hot again. But, you know, if someone's really, like, yeah, 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 they start standing up, standing ovation. But this is nothing in comparison to how God celebrates over your life. It looks a lot more like this. So that's a little bit more what it looks like. But for those of you that are following Jesus, have you ever stopped to think that at the moment you chose to follow Jesus, there was a party over your life? God was jumping up and down. He was spinning around. He was making loud whooping noises because you were lost, but now you're found. He does that over you. He celebrates you. And our youth team, we, we love to celebrate, and particularly at baptism services. And in February, a whole bunch of our young people got baptized, and the youth team were weeping and shouting and making loads of noise, so much celebrating. And this one girl in our youth group called Immy, she, yeah, she's here, she, she got baptized, and um, she, she shared her story. And to, and to come and hear her share, she invited 10 of her mates. And one of those mates ended up coming along. And, uh, and, and her friend, who's called Ellie, oh, not so much, anyway, her friend called Ellie, she, she came along to church for the first time. Now, Ellie, what you need to know about her is, 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 is she doesn't go to church. She was expecting to come in and to find pews and loads of old people and it to be super boring. And she came in, and as she came in, she started to sense something. She started to sense inside of her the presence of God. And she was so kind of captivated by it that she started coming along to our youth group. She started coming along on Tuesdays. And then the other week, she came along on Sunday for the first time. And what happened on that particular Sunday morning is during the worship, the presence of God started to come and really meet with people in the room. And also to meet with Ellie. And Liv, who, she's on our team, and, and she knew that this, this young lady was here for the first time, so she went over and had a chat with her. And, um, and, and I chatted with Ellie this week, and she said to me, she said, when I was there, Susie, on, on the outside, nothing was happening. I was just, you know, normal. But on the inside, I was shaking all over. I was all over the place. I knew it was God. And so Liv says to her, this morning Jesus is here. Do you want to meet him? And Ellie says, yeah, I do. Ellie ends up giving her life to Jesus on that Sunday morning. Amazing, isn't it? And, and what's even cooler about it is that, is that this weekend, that Ellie is here at DTI. You know, she's been, she's been at youth ever since. And her, she's figuring out what it looks like to follow Jesus. And she said to me just this week when I met with her, since I met Jesus, my life has changed. I'm figuring out, yeah. But I feel inside more confident. I feel like I know that God is with me. And I love that story. And, and I drove to Ben's house after that to practice yesterday's talk. And in the car, my, my eyes were just welling up at what God had done. Because Jesus, he celebrates over the one. He celebrates 
over the one who comes, who was lost and comes to be found. Jesus was celebrating over Ellie's life. He values her. He was looking for her and he celebrates her. And my prayer is that she'd know that every day more and more and more, now and forever. You know, these stories in the Bible, they show us so much about what God is like. And we've got to let this truth sink deep in from our heads to our hearts because, as I said earlier, it changes everything. Guys, this festival is called Dreaming the Impossible. But I fully believe that you will be a generation that doesn't just dream the impossible, that actually does the impossible. You know, I believe that many of you will see your mates like Emmy come to know Jesus. I believe that many of you will be in jobs where you shape the culture. I believe that you will see healings and miracles. I believe that some of you will end up leading churches, planting churches. I believe that God will use you to change this world for the better. You up for it? Yeah? Yeah? Because there's no limits to what God can do through you. No dream's too big. Nobody in this room is too small. He has so much in store for all of you. But I want you to understand this, that knowing that God loves you, that knowing that he likes you, that's where we find security. You know, all of us have got hang-ups. I've got my own hang-ups. I've got my own stuff I'm dealing with, as you have. But we find security in the person of Jesus. It's absolutely crucial. It's where our journey with Jesus starts and it's where it needs to stay. You need to know that Jesus loves you today and you need to know it tomorrow and next week and next month and next year and when you're 102, you need to know it. Because it means that when you walk into a room, when you walk into a room and you're not sure if the people in that room are gonna like you, you're secure because you know that your Father in heaven loves you. When life goes how you want it to, you know that God loves you, that he likes you. When life seems harder than you possibly imagined, you know, no matter how hard it gets, that God loves you. When God does something amazing through you, you know it's because God loves you. When God doesn't seem to answer your prayers in the way you want him to, and that's hard when he doesn't, but you know God loves you. When somebody gets poorly, that you care about, someone that you love, maybe even they die. However hard that is, you know that God is with you in the midst of it, that he loves you, that he values you. When you smash your exams, he's for you, he loves you. When you stuff them up, he, he also does as well. God's love is constant no matter what life throws at you. And my prayer for all of you is that you go away, you'd read those stories again, you'd see the truth from them. That you would know that no matter what, that God isn't a loser, he's a finder. That he values you, that he is constantly searching for your attention every single moment of every day. That he celebrates you. You are fully known, you're fully loved, and he really, really likes you.